Well, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 today, continuing on through our series in the book of 1 Corinthians. Let's read this and we'll go and pray. And when I came to your brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the, the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for your love and kindness and generosity. We thank you for the many different elements of worship that we've experienced here today, for the, the songs that have been sung, the gifts that have been given, the, the prayers that have been lifted up. Father, the, the fellowship that we've had. And now as we come to your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in such a way that would allow us to know truth, that allow us to know your will for our life, allow us to, to know you better, to, to know that you are here, that you're in our midst, that that you're an unseen guest with us today, Lord. Father, I pray that as we look at your word, that it would speak to us in such a mighty way. I pray, Lord, that, that there's someone here today that has never accepted Christ as Savior. And Lord, I pray that through the preaching of your word, they would know Christ as Lord. Father, I, I recognize that I have a part in that today. And so if you would, Lord... Forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal in their relationship with you. Lord, speak to us today and be honored and glorified through our decisions. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Today's Championship Sunday. It's Championship Sunday. The AFC Championship game is at 6 o'clock today. Where the, the Chiefs play the... Who's that other team? Bengals. That's right, the Bengals. And then the other game is at 2... I think it's a more interesting game. It's at 2 o'clock. 49ers play the Eagles. And uh, I've been listening to different... I listen to sports radio a lot throughout the week and I watch ESPN like any other, you know, man would do on a weekly basis. And so, I, I, so anyways, I'm, I'm listening to these commentators speak and they're all, all, this isn't my words, okay? I would never say this. But they are saying that the 49ers and the Eagles have the two best rosters in the NFL. That's what they're saying, okay? Now, listen. That, those aren't my words. I, I would never say that, you know, but that's what they're saying, okay? And so, the difference between these two teams, though, is one has a MVP caliber quarterback and the other one doesn't, right? I mean, unless you're like my wife and who lives underneath a rock and doesn't know anything about football, <laughs> you know that, like, Jalen Hurts, he's 
again, he's in the MVP voting for the best player, most valuable player in the NFL. He was drafted in the second round by the Eagles. He was a highly recruited college football player. I mean, and he is playing some of his very best football. And then for the 49ers, you have a guy named Brock Purdy, who was at the beginning of this year, the third string quarterback for the 49ers. He's a rookie. He was actually drafted as the very last pick in the NFL draft last year. He, uh, he was third string in, until his starting quarterback broke his ankle, and then he was second string. And then when the second string quarterback broke his foot, then he was put into the starting position. And since then, the last final games he started of the season, he's won every single one of them. Done really well. He's won two playoff games as a rookie. And he's kept a pretty level head. And I, I like him. You know, I don't know how much or how long he's going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers. I really don't. But I like the kid. There's a lot to like about him. He said this in 2019 when he was a quarterback for the Iowa State football team. He said, every time I play, no matter what happens, I want others to see God through my actions. Every time I step on the field, I want to bring him glory. Even when we lose, I point to God and I thank him for, my, for the opportunity. Everything happens for a reason. It's all a lesson from the Lord. It's a game. It's not my life. Again, in 2021, he said this, God and Jesus are going to be my identity. And whatever I face, I won't be shaken from it. I have a great foundation and him. I don't know how long Purdy's going to be the starter. I really don't, but I like him. I like his perspective. Every time, every time I step on the field, I want to bring him glory. Even when I lose, I want to point God and I want to thank him for the opportunity. And that seems like a pretty level-headed kid, right? I mean, for somebody that's 20 years old, to be a leader, I mean, of a billion-dollar operation and instead of pointing everybody to himself instead of making himself look great he's I mean even in these post-game interviews he's reflecting all the glory all the accomplishments to his teammates I mean he has purposefully purposefully said this isn't me it's not just spiritual either though I mean he really I mean it's not just hey it's all glory goes to God it's like my teammates are doing great I mean, in all aspects, he's saying, hey, this is not about me. He knows he's just a cog in the wheel. In a passage scripture for today, Paul is letting the church in Corinth know that he is 100% committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and not promoting himself. And that he has made a conscious decision to make his message solely about the gospel of Jesus Christ, not about how great he is. He's making a decision. And he's saying, hey, my, there's a reason why this isn't about me. There's a reason why I'm not being the most persuasive. But there's a reason why I'm not using the biggest words. There's a reason why. It's not about me, Paul is saying. Let's look at the text. Chapter 2, verse 1. And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God, lofty speech, or with wisdom, we talked about this briefly last week, and, but what seemed to impress the church in Corinth was 
men who were wise according to the world standards. Men who were well-spoken, men who had a way with words. I think it's worth noting that one of the many criticisms they had of Paul, and we'll get to this more later in depth, but one of the many criticisms that they had was his inability to speak. Like he was just not a great public speaker. In response to that, Paul uses that for his credibility, his ethos, his character. Paul points that when he preached, it wasn't about him. He wasn't trying to get the church in Corinth to believe in Paul. Christianity is about believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Friends, if you came here today because of me, then you came here today for the wrong reasons. I mean, this isn't about me, right? This isn't the church of Jeff Burns. We're not here to worship me, but to worship God. This passage of Scripture may not convict you, but it does me. I mean, how many churches are set up to elevate a pastor, to elevate a worship leader, to elevate a staff member? I mean, how many times have you gone to a church because of a preacher? How many times have you gone to a church to listen to a worship band? How many times do you read a book just because of the author? Friends, so many people today go to church solely on what they see and hear on a Sunday morning. So often the question becomes, did this service fit into my schedule? Did I, did I like the style of music? Did I enjoy the sermon? I mean, as if I'm here to entertain you, you know? Like it's rarely the quality of the question becomes, was the worship spirit filled? Was the gospel preached? Was the sermon biblical? Was there time allowed in the service for the Spirit of God to work and move in people's lives? Friends, if the pastor is failing to preach the Word of God, may I be so controversial to say, maybe it's time to find a new church. If your pastor, if your preacher, is not preaching from the Word of God, can I be so controversial to say that it's time to find a different church. Paul wasn't concerned about three points in a poem. He wasn't concerned or worried about being persuasive in speech, but he was. I mean, if you read Paul's writing, I mean, his ability to use rhetoric is just profound. I mean, it really is. I mean, if you study persuasion and the use of persuasion at all, you know, Paul knows how to use it. He knows. He's not a dummy, friends. I was talking to a lady this past week who was related to me, who is related to me, not was, it's maybe a bad. <laughs> she asked a biblical question and I answered the question and, and in the response I used the word that was, I knew she wasn't going to know the what it meant. And so I defined it for her. But I, I used it not to make myself look good, but rather because I wanted her to know the word. I wanted her to be familiar with it. I wanted her to, to at least try to introduce it to her. I mean, I, I just, I thought it made the point better to use that word than to leave it out. When I, I remember one time I pastored a church. I was a pastor at a church. And, and uh, I had a, a lady 
who came to me and the, another pastor on staff there at the church and she said, she goes, she, heard, she was complaining. She said, you know, sometimes you guys use words in your sermons and I don't understand these words. I, I wish you would stop using them. And, and the pastor of that church, he said, he goes, I, I, well, sometimes we use them because we want you to know those words, you know. And, and one of the things I said to her as well was like, well, listen, I mean, we don't preach just to you or to, to an audience of one, right? I mean, there are hundreds of people in this church and there are people of all different faiths. Some are, some are young in their faith, some are mature in their faith, some have really high intellectual abilities, some have less. Some are, are literally their children in the audience, right? And so as a preacher, like part of our responsibility is not just to preach to one group of people, but to be able to preach to all different people and to be able to make your sermon relate to all people, all ages, all maturities, all intellectual ability. That's sometimes hard to do. And we want, it's just as much as like the things that I say that are elementary. Like those people are hearing those things over and over and over and over again. But there's also sometimes there's, there's words that they're learning for the first time too. And just as much as I want you to learn those new words, I want them to as well. The majority of the people that Paul was preaching the gospel to in the church in Corinth were new believers. People who had no faith at all. This is the first time they had been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's calling on his life, on Paul's life, wasn't to make everyone in awe of him. It wasn't. It was to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through that proclamation, disciples were going to be made. So much so, listen to what Paul says in verse 2. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul kept it simple. His ministry was completely dedicated to making disciples of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul made a decision to serve this way. The Greek word here is krino. This word decide, it's the word for judgment. And here he is, he's exercising judgment. Last night I was getting ready for bed and I was hungry. And I exercised good judgment and I went to the counter and I grabbed a banana and I ate the banana. 30 minutes later I was still hungry and I exercised poor judgment and I grabbed the chips and dip. You know what I mean? And so... <laughs> Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. A scholar to the highest degree, friends. There wasn't a man who knew the Torah better than Paul. I mean, he was as well-educated as any Jew, period. He was just as accomplished as any, period. Remember what he says in Philippians chapter 3, the speech that he gives to the church in Philippi? If someone thinks that they have reasons to put more confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, I persecuted the church, as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth 
of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He had all kinds of reason to boast. I mean, he had all kinds of wisdom to share with them. I mean, he had all kinds of eloquent words and speech that he could have used, all types of rhetoric that he could have used to persuade them to believe. And yet, all he said is, I'm going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. He's making a conscious decision here in his ministry to not make this about himself. He's making a, a decision. A judgment call. This isn't about me. This is about Jesus. One of the things I love about White Park, one of the many things, is that our mentality is not an, a, a, a me mentality, it's an us. There's not one person here that's more important than the next. You know, when we make decisions, it's not, oh, well, what does this guy think? Or what does this girl think? Or what does this family think? It's, well, is this going to bring honor and glory to God? Is this the right thing to do? And if it is, okay, let's do it. And if somebody gets offended by it, well, that's too bad. We're doing this based upon what God wants us to do. What is best for this church? Well, it's what God wants. When your mentality isn't about promoting self, but promoting God, it causes you to pause. And think about the decisions that you're making. When you make decisions and you're just concerned about yourself, you often rush into making those decisions. But if you make a decision knowing that it will reflect God, it will reflect the kingdom of God, I'm not sure about you, but it causes me to pause. Listen to what Paul says here about his time with them. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech, my message, were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. What Paul is trying to say here is that he is the foolishness of man that God is using to shame the wise. Go back to chapter 1. He came to them with weakness, with fear and trembling. When you teach, when you preach, when you lead the church. Are you trembling? Are you fearful? Are you putting your strength in God? Are you working through your greatness or God's grace? I, I, watch, I watch a sermon here just this week from a guy that I, I love to listen to and uh, an old preacher down in Texas and it, his very first things that he said as he got behind the pulpit, he said, man, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I mean, the guy's been preaching for 50 years. He goes, man, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. I was shocked to hear that. At the same time, I was happy to hear it. You know? I was in seminary. I had a, a professor. 
he used to tell us that on there will be Sundays that you preach and you'll be so pleased with how well you've done you'll want to take an extra lap around the parking lot and just to get an extra pat on the back about how well you did and then there are other Sundays where you will just want to walk straight to your office and close the door and hope that no one talks to you at all and let me tell you what he said was he goes there the reality is that oftentimes that God works through those sermons when you go through the to the to the office more so than when you walk around the parking lot <laughs> I said this before but I love listening to the old-time preachers W.A. Criswell, Haddon Robinson, Orrin Luther, Chuck Swindoll, Alistair Begg. I love these guys. I mean, you listen to them and they are just, they don't waste words. I mean, they just, they proclaim and they preach God's word. Verse by verse. I mean, they are just, they do a phenomenal job. I love listening to them. I mean, They preach God's word. It's meat and potatoes. I, I, I love reading commentaries. I, I don't read a whole lot of self-help books or, I mean, I, even other books. I mean, I just, when I, I bought two commentaries this week. I didn't buy any, buy, I didn't buy any books by Piper or by Miller or Allen or Warren. Not that there's anything wrong with them, but I just, I love the meat and potatoes. I love the, the history, the context, the expertise that somebody like, Bach brings I just do I just think it's amazing Paul says that his weakness according to them was not actual weakness at all it was a demonstration of the spirit and Paul says that if you are here to get your ears tickled then you're going to leave disappointed but if you came here wanting to hear the message of God I mean, can you imagine for a second going to hear Paul preach and having just the audacity to think to yourself and even just speak it out loud. Man, this guy's terrible. Yeah, I mean, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, just think about that for a second. Now, there are people that are actually criticizing the Apostle Paul. That's shocking to me. But it gives you an indication of where their heart was, does it not? What pleased them? What they were looking for? What they desired? Friends, I, I like ice cream. But I can't, I mean, you can't sustain your life off of ice cream. You just can't. Unless it's bluebell, then I understand. But everything else is... But you've got to have meat and potatoes, right? You've got to have protein. You've got to. You need it. You've got to have something that's going to fuel your body. And in your faith, you need meat and potatoes. Not just spiritual milk. Sometimes we have to grow. We have to grow. We have to move past that. This that substance comes from God. Listen to what he says in verse 4. My words were not plausible in words of wisdom, but they were a demonstration of the Spirit of God. What Paul is saying here is that there's no way to deliver the gospel to you through the wisdom of this world. It's 
not possible. It's not possible. It's only possible through the grace of God. Why? I'm glad that you asked. Let's look at verse 5 and we'll close. So that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Friends, our only hope in spending eternity with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. Your only hope, friends, in this world of spending eternity with God is through, the, is through Jesus Christ. The grace of God. God has done something for you that you cannot do for yourself, friends. No matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much effort or wisdom you have on this earth, there's nothing that you can do nor any other man can do for you than what Jesus Christ has done for you already at the cross of Calvary, friends. That's it. You don't need anything else. You need Jesus. You need Jesus Christ to become the Savior and Lord of your life. If you want eternity with God, you need Jesus. If you want to be separated from him for all of eternity, put your faith in this world, friends. And your strength and your ability and your power and your wisdom and your financial ability. Take all your chips and stick it right there. And it will guarantee you eternity without God. Separated from him. But if you want eternity with God, peace, then let me tell you, it's simply saying, I don't have the answer. I need him. There's an old hymn that sings, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust in the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. It's two hymns in two weeks. I'm coming for Kathy's job. <laughs> it's so true, though. When we look at our life, how many things did we do, did we do to build up our life? To build up our name, our power, our credibility, our fame, our... I mean, how much of this life are we just... We just want other people to think that we're better than we truly are. And the reality is, is that all we really need to do is to recognize that we need Jesus. I mean, Paul, I mean, he has as many reasons to boast as any other man. And yet he says, man, I, all of that's garbage. Is that how you look at your life? And yeah, it's just, it's garbage.
Father, we give you thanks for the day. I thank you for our opportunity here today. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace that we need to be the people that you've called us to be. To put our hope and trust in Jesus. Father, if you would, help us when we're uh, foolish. When we think that we can somehow earn your grace, earn your love. When there are times when we focus too much on ourselves and not on what or who you want us to be. Father, may our lives reflect your glory. May our lives reflect the goodness and the grace of God that's found through your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray there's someone here today that has never accepted Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray that today would be the day where they come forward and they say, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Father, I pray that if there's a believer that's here that's struggling with their faith, I pray that today would be a day where they acknowledge they just need help. They would acknowledge the power in a brother or sister helping them carry that burden. Father, I pray that today as we come to a time of response that we would be willing to stand up for our faith, stand up for what we believe in, and make a decision to follow you. May you receive all the honor and all the glory. And God's people said, Amen.